beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ as an axiom. An axiom is something that is in self-evident truth. That everybody knows it. Believers suffer in this world. Self-evident. You've gone through suffering. The people that you know who are believers have gone through suffering. There is difficulty in the life of the Christian as it is with all mankind. Man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul said we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of heaven. Suffering is a mainstay in this world. It's not going to go away. All people are going to struggle. The difficulty is when the believer struggles. The difficulty is when we go through the difficulties, the dark night of the soul as it were, and we struggle in our Christian life, and it's seemingly that God doesn't hear our prayers. It seems as if God is not answering our prayers. And then we struggle. There are often those that deny that we have struggle in the Christian life. Oftentimes when we talk to one another, and we ask one another how we're doing, we'll say this, I'm doing great. Everything's fine. All's good, all's well. And you know that that's not the case. But we have in our culture this idea that we have to put on some kind of persona, that we have to put on some kind of airs to think that I'm not going through the difficulty, I'm not having a struggle, and I don't want you to understand and think that I am, because you might think less of me. So we live in a culture that it's almost trained up in the evangelical world that you don't speak to people about suffering and illness and trials and difficulties in the life. And yet we all go through them. It's almost like a clown show. That we all have this mask on and we're all going through motions and everybody's got this big smile on the face. But behind the mask there's a frown and there's difficulties and there's suffering and there's trials. You can't live in this fallen world and not have difficulties in trials in the life. Now what I find interesting is that when you read the scriptures, especially the Psalms, they're declared... David begins and he says, How long, O Lord? David makes his struggles, his trials, his depression, his despair, his anxiety, he makes it clear. And that he went through it as a man after God's own heart is clearly a demonstration that we will go through it as well as believers. And many of us have gone through that. And the longer that you live as a Christian, the longer that you live in this world, the more struggles and trials and difficulties that you will go through in life. And so, beloved, it is for us to encourage one another. Do you understand the word encourage? Encouragement. The main word in there is courage. And so what are you doing? You're putting courage to someone's mind. You're bringing to them to bolster them, to encourage them, to build them up, that they might be courageous in the Christian life through the struggles that they go through. How do you do that? You do that by bringing to their minds the promises of God. Now, you know, people think this is simplistic. And in one sense, it is simplistic. 
But it is so wondrously profound how the Lord works through His Word in the heart of His people. Now let me give you an example. Asaph, Psalm 78. He was a man who was a believer who penned numerous psalms. And we've read the psalms, we've rejoiced in the psalms, we love the psalms. Now that we love the psalms is telling about the condition of our heart, isn't it? Because we resonate with the psalms. You can read that and you can say, you know what, I've been there. I've struggled and I've cried out to God as well. How long must I go through this difficulty in my life? And so Asaph was one that went through problems. And his problem was that he looked all about him and he saw the prosperity of the wicked and he found himself in a position that he wasn't prospering. So then he began to question the goodness of God. He began to question the providential hand of God, the sovereignty of God, the omniscience of God, all the attributes of God now come into question because Asaph is not receiving what he thinks is due him. I've washed my hands in godliness. I've done this. I've gone through the motions. I've, I've tried to serve you. And here I am suffering and their heart is as fat as grease. I don't get it. And then he says, until I went into the house of the Lord. Until I went back to the word of God. Till he opened up the scriptures and then he understood the end of the reprobate, of the evil, of the wicked. He understood when he came to God's word. So beloved, how are we going to deal with our problems? Is it going to be any different than Asaph? Is it going to be any different than David as we find David went to God in prayer? It's not going to be any different. But we live in a day where we think we're wiser than the teaching of scripture. That's a fact. Because if we didn't think we were wiser, then we wouldn't try to outsource from the Scriptures. When God Himself has said in Colossians 2 that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, everything that I need for life and godliness is in Jesus Christ. And I go to some psychobabble which then says that all the treasures are not in Christ. I need something other than Christ. Now, you want to fight about that with me? Bring it on. Because I think this is where the church is really being tripped up. Is looking to everything and anything other than Jesus. And that is not what you find in the teaching of Scripture itself. You find those struggling going to the Lord. Job goes to the Lord. Asaph goes to the Lord. Abraham went to the Lord. Moses went to the Lord. David goes to the Lord. It's a constant coming to the Lord and crying out to Him. He alone can bring healing in the soul. We've got to get that rooted into our soul, beloved, so we're not led away by the error of the wicked. This is not behavioral modification. I need a change in my heart. I need to think differently about things. I need to be reoriented in my life. I need to view things that are consistent with the teaching of God's Word. That's what I need. And that's what you need. And that's what David is understanding here in our text. David, when he leaves off in Psalm 12, he demonstrates the difficulty and the struggle of faith when those other believers abandon him. Have you experienced that? 
We experienced the abandonment of those who named the name of Christ. But when you went through the crisis and the difficulty of your life, they were nowhere to be found. And you were basically left alone. Now, I started writing about the experience of depression. And I entitled uh, the the book that I'm, I'm writing, Walking Through the Dark Alone but not without Jesus. And why I had that title with regards to the black dog of depression is because in my experience, people won't walk in the darkness with you. They let you walk alone. They're either fearful of the darkness or they just simply think that it's going to get on them and they leave you. And you're abandoned. And you're alone. And you feel it. And it's difficult. It's heart-wrenching. It's heart-aching. And David feels it. He felt it. He knew the abandonment of those that called themselves his companion. His fellow believers. Fellow worshipers. He understood what that meant. But the most difficult thing, as David speaks about in Psalm 12 and then coming into Psalm 13, is that he started to relate the abandonment of his companions with that God has abandoned him. That God had not provided for him the comfort of companion. And we need human companionship. We need one another, beloved. We are a body. We are dependent upon one another. We need one another. We need the comfort of human companionship. That's biblical. David needed his companionship. He had Jonathan. He had great difficulty when he no longer had Jonathan. He wept bitterly when he didn't have Jonathan. Paul had Titus. He had Timothy. He had Luke. We find in the scriptures that there is the companionship that goes on. Moses, he had Aaron. He had that counsel. He had encouragement that was given. Even we read in the, in the Proverbs and even Ecclesiastes. You know, two are better than one. Three are better than two. Strand of three cords. It's hard to break. And two, when one falls down, there's another there to pick him up, to help. It's hard. I mean, even the, even the world knows that. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever know. One. It's difficult. But David says in the Psalms with regards to feeling abandoned by God is unbearable. It's unbearable. The setting of this particular Psalm 13 was probably David going through a prolonged sickness or suffering that has produced depression in his life. And I think when he says, consider me, when he regards his enemies and lest I sleep the sleep of death, that's what I think he's referring to. I think that's what he's referring to as the enemy, as the foe, is death itself. Death, in death, he said, in the grave, I will not praise you. Again, progressive revelation, we know different now in progressive revelation. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. David is a man of his time and living up to the revelation that was given to him. But David says, in the grave, if I die, I won't be able to praise you. Lord, I need you to deliver me. 
to save me from this impending death that is coming upon me. You ever felt like that? Just using my own experience, uh, when I had uh, that double pneumonia a couple, three years ago, uh, when I went to the doctor, he couldn't believe that I walked into the clinic because my lungs were that filled with fluid. I don't know why the Lord kept me alive. I would rather be dead and with the Lord, (laughs) no offense to you, than with you all. And I, I, I trust you understand that. But the prolongedness of that sickness brought depression in my life. Sadness. of Why won't this go away? And then they give you medication that almost kills you. And then you're struggling. And there is the intense struggle and the battle that you go through. And you really want to tell people. You really want to confide in others. But then you're guarded as well. Why? Because people can't shut up. They can't keep their mouth shut. Who can you confide in today? What companion can I, can I speak to about the difficulties in my own soul? Who do you trust to be able then to spill your guts, as we say, to one another? Who that you have the confidence that what you say to them will not be repeated to anybody else. Do you have one of those today? And don't say your spouse, because you know in marriage relationships that you've said things to other people that your spouse has told you that you should not have said. David is struggling. He's struggling and he cries out in this way. Notice, how long, O Lord? God is his God. God has rescued him. David is a worshiper of the Lord. He is trusting in the Lord. But he is lamenting. He's not lamenting at God. He's lamenting to God. He wants to know, is this going to go on continually? I feel abandoned by you, Lord. And the reality of it is, as you speak the word of God to your heart, you know that the Lord will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You see, this is often a difficulty that we have. We often let our heart speak. You know... The reality of it is, is there is so much garbage in our hearts that if you let your heart speak, you will talk yourself into unbelief. You will talk yourself into the fact that God doesn't love you, that God is angry with you, that God is trying to destroy you. What we need, beloved, is to speak the Word of God to the heart. We need to go to the text of Scripture and we need to meditate upon the truth of God's Word and speak that to my heart. That's what you find in Psalm 42. Why so downcast, O my soul? This psalmist is shaking himself out of the lethargy. What's wrong with you? You ever said that to yourself? Why am I thinking this way? What's going on in my life? I need to come to the promises. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. What is hope? It is a confident expectation that the Lord will fulfill all that He promises in His Word. He will bring it to pass. I, the Lord, I I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We even read in the book of Isaiah, and though a mother may forget her children, the Lord says, I will never forget my chosen ones. 
So we have to speak that truth to our heart, beloved, when we go through the difficult days. And it's not easy. That's why having a companion, one who is a biblical counselor, that's all of us. We're all called to be biblical counselors. To admonish one another. To bring the Word of God to mind to each other. That's why it's good to have that. Someone that brings you back, recalibrates your mind of bringing you back to the Word again and again and again. That's what we need. Recently I was asked by, a, by an author to comment on some things uh, regarding Charles Spurgeon. And um, <clears throat> he had asked, the first question was, why do you enjoy the writing of Charles Spurgeon? I use one word. Reality. And what I meant by that I did explain it, but what I meant by that is you don't find reality in the church of Jesus Christ today. You find phoniness. Spurgeon was real. He suffered. And he wrote about his suffering. He wrote about it extensively in his writings. Depression, anxiety, despair. To mention in Sunday school this morning, there was once when he had a, a fire when he was preaching. It was about 20,000 people there. And somebody, well, somebody yelled out fire. There actually wasn't a fire. Somebody yelled it out. And then they started heading for the exits and people got trampled and killed. Spurgeon went into depression. He didn't preach for a year. He couldn't bring himself to preach again. He thought, he said to himself, I, I think I might not ever preach again. That's despair. That's depression that he went through. And he writes about it. We don't write about it. We don't talk about it. Why? Because we don't want people thinking any less of us. You know, beloved, we have a real problem. Here's a pandemic that we have. We esteem the thoughts and the comments of men more than we do the word of our God. We're more concerned about what people think about us rather than what the Lord says in his word. That's a real problem. Because that makes us phony. It makes us put on the mask and do the dance, but that behind it is a frowning face. We need to get back again. Again, the healthy dose of Scripture daily is going to cure you from that. It's going to bring you around the corner so you're not so concerned about what everybody thinks and says. You're going to do what God calls you to do. Doesn't matter what people think. They're always going to think something. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. Well, David says, How long will you, will you forget me forever? God cannot forget his people. I'm thankful for that. Have you ever felt that way? Feelings are tricky, emotions are tricky. We have them. We have a mind, we have a will, we have emotions that are bound up in the soul. Now, I can make a distinction, but I can't make a division. I don't know how all that works out. But I know that the primacy is the mind. And the mind is not referring to the brain. It's the heart of man, the inward part of man. The, the non-corporeal part of man. The spiritual aspect of man. Because when man dies, his brain goes into the ground. I know there's some correspondence with the soul and with the, the brain. I don't know what it is. Scripture doesn't define that. But we think in the inward man, in the soul. 
And that then engages our will. So the will is basically the mind making choices. Then it's engaged. And then we feel something about that. There's emotions that flow from that. Sadness, happiness. Uh, there is, you, you've, you've seen people get giddy about things. It's like a, a euphoric type of a high that they have. There, there's different emotions. There's anger that goes on. They're tricky. Have you had righteous anger before? How do you know it was just because you didn't get what you wanted or somebody did something that you didn't like? It wasn't according to God's word. And you were angry with your brother without a cause. And you thought it was righteous anger because you felt angry. And it might have been your selfishness. It might have been your self-righteousness. Was it for the glory of God or for your glory? We often can feel these things, that God is not hearing my prayer. You go through sickness, a long extended period of sickness, and you cry out, Lord, how long, how long? And it seems like, it seems like your prayers are not getting any higher than the ceiling. And it seems like God has turned the lights off. It seems like God has abandoned you. Well, beloved, God will never abandon you as a believer. But He will at times cause you to go through the dark night of the soul. Martin Luther experienced that many times in his life. And he writes about it as well. And it's discouragement when you go through that. It's depressive time. I've experienced that in my life as well. So the lights go off. It's dark. It's, it's, you, you feel lonely. You feel alone. And there's not, it's worse than death. When it's, you don't sense any longer the presence of God. But you know what? You've got to know the presence of God. To be able to sense his absence. His, his presence is not there. And so that's the believer. The believer goes through that. And let's say it. Let's speak it. Somebody asked me last week, how are you doing today? I said, depends what day it is. My worst day is Monday. I feel the worst on Monday. Physically, spiritually, emotionally spent. So I try to avoid things on Monday. I'm, I'm more temptation comes easy for me on Monday. Sadness, anger, difficulties. I mean, <laughs> you read about road rage, right? That's the pastor on Monday morning. Uh, road rage because of the anger that goes on. I don't know why that is, but it is. It's a fact. It's a reality. I've gone through depression. About four or five months of it. It was awful. It's the worst thing that I've ever gone through as a Christian. Bar none. Worst thing. You could fix broken bones. Couldn't fix it. It was, it was the, the deepest, darkest, difficult struggle that I've had as a Christian. And I've said before, you know, I'd rather have two broken legs than to go through that again. And I hope I don't have to go through that again. I may have to go through that again. I don't want to go through that again. But I found myself right here where David is. Uh, I could resonate with that. Uh, I could identify with that. How long, Lord? And my prayer at a certain point shifted. And I simply prayed, Lord, kill me. I don't want to go through this anymore. 
I can't deal with this anymore. Just kill me. And it, it seemed like, you know, it wasn't long after that, like the hand was lifted. It was awful. David is experiencing that. Will you hide your face from me? You know, for the Jew, for the Israelite, the greatest blessing was the Lord's face shining upon them. That was the ironic benediction. The Lord bless you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. That's God's favor. That's God's comfort. Comfort in affliction. Comfort in a difficult world. Comfort as you traverse through this difficult land. The comfort of God. Bringing back again, beloved, the understanding of the providential hand of God. That even though the sky, it's dark as it can be outside, I know that God has a purpose in this. Again, that's reminding ourselves. David says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? The counsel, speaking to himself, and yet he finds no resolution. He's finding himself, the more that he counsels, the less the things are happening in his life, and he's becoming more and more dipping into depression. He says, I have sorrow in my heart daily. Have you been there, beloved? Have you struggled with that? You know, we can sense the abandonment of God in different aspects of our life. The betrayal in a family. Have you ever felt the abandonment of God in that? The things that seemed were well and good. And then it turned sour. I once had a, a congregation where I had a number of family members, brothers, and a death in the family caused great turmoil in the families because of inheritance. And what at one point seemed to be a harmonious family relationship turned bitter. And it was like, has God, has God left us to ourselves? How about in your work situation? Where all of a sudden now you're incurring all kinds of difficulties and problems in your work. Maybe your boss wants to get rid of you. Maybe because of age or infirmity they no longer have need of you. You begin to feel like you're useless. I, what, what, what good am I? You know, you're over 60 and now you can't get hired by anybody because they think you're more of a liability than an asset to the company. And all of a sudden you begin to feel as if God has abandoned you. How can I care for myself? How can I care for my family? How can I provide? What about if you have a child that goes astray? And you say that I trained him up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. I strive to do what God called me to do. And now they're disbelieving. They're unbelieving. There are those that have gone their own way. And I'm going through difficulties. Has God abandoned me in this? And you can see all the different scenarios and things that we go through in our lives. The church as well. The church grows. The church declines. The church grows. And you start wondering. You start guessing. And is, is God's hand no longer upon us? There's struggles and difficulties and dissension and schism and problems in the church. What's going on in the life of the church? Has God abandoned us as the people of God? Again, you, you've got to always come back to that which you know to be certain. That God will never leave you and He'll never forsake you. 
You've got to remember and speak the truth and the comfort of the providential hand of God in your life. That God is working all the time in the lives of His people to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the Lord on the cross going through that dark night of the soul as it were. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he brought himself back to the word of God again and again and again. Because that's where the comfort is. The comfort in prayer. The comfort in remembrance of the things of God. The comfort in confessing and declaring God's promises to your heart. And oftentimes others won't do that. So you must learn to do that, beloved. You must learn to put the Word of God to your own mind to bring encouragement to your own soul so that if others are not admonishing you and bringing you to that, you are doing it yourself so you don't then fall into that despair. Easy to do. It's easy when you don't have the companions doing that. It's easy when you don't have a church that's not doing that. It's easy to fall then into despair. Paul in Romans 15 says, I am confident that you are all able to admonish one another, to bring the Word of God, the promises to mind. Can we? Do you? Can you bring the Word of truth to the mind of another believer when they're going through trials and difficulties in the dark night of the soul? Can you? Do you know where to go in the Scriptures? It's not just some Scripture. It's specific. Even as Jesus in Matthew 4, dealing with Satan, and He says, it is written, specific text, to deal with a specific temptation. See, you see, that is what's called the apples of silver in the settings of gold. It's a word spoken in due season. How sweet it is. It's sweet to the soul to bring that particular word to bear upon the believer's soul when they're going through that specific suffering. That's what Paul speaks about. He's not saying, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I once had a counseling session with a young individual who said that they were struggling with lust. Dealing with their boyfriend. And so... This individual said, well, I struggle because we read the Bible together. And I asked the question, what are you reading? Well, we're in Genesis right now. And I said, what does that speak to about the trials that you deal with in your soul with regard to sexual things? She said, nothing. And I said, let me show you some texts. And as she read it, 1 Thessalonians 4, I heard her groan. Yeah, that one got to the heart, Pastor. Exactly. That's the word spoken in due season. That's a sweet word. That's a word that we need. So David is struggling. He says, with regards to the enemy, again, I think that this is the death that is hovering over him. I think David, through a long, extended period of suffering, sickness, illness, is starting to be really depressed in his life, and he's really sensing that his life is coming to an end, and he's crying out to the Lord for that deliverance. He says, Lord, consider me. Notice what he does. Notice that he confesses the reality of his struggle. And notice that he confesses in reality, Lord, I feel like you've abandoned me. Although I know that not to be the case, I'm feeling it. I don't sense your presence any longer. And he immediately then comes and he cries out to the Lord in prayer. 
Consider and hear me. What David is saying is listen attentively to me. Lord, bow down your ear as it were. Now, anthropomorphic. And you know what that means. That God speaks to us in the form of a man so that we would understand. Let me give you a clear example. Sometimes little kids are talking to you and you can't hear them. And so what do you do? You bow down your ear to them. So David is saying, bow down your ear to me. Hear and listen, even as I lisp through this time of suffering. And he says, Lord, consider and hear me. Oh Lord, my God. This is a believer, beloved. This is a believer going through this. This is David, a man after God's own heart. A man who loves the Lord, struggling deeply. Now why do we mask it? Why do we act as if everything is rainbows and unicorns? Why? I mean, there's a struggle right there. Right? It's a struggle. It's a fallen world. Let me, let me piggyback on that a little bit. You know what? That, that, that's a cry for paradise right there. That's the trouble in this fallen world. And that's a cry for deliverance. All of our cries are cries for deliverance. And the difficulty. You know, I'm trying to raise up my child in the fear and instruction of the Lord. And it's a struggle, yeah, because they're little sinners, aren't they? And they need deliverance. And even at that, then, is still a struggle as sinful people. David says, enlighten my eyes. I don't think this is just simply uh, the, the enlightening of the soul. I, I think that has an aspect to it. But I think David is seeing that the, his eyes are becoming dim. You know, they're getting blurry. It's, it's like he's, he's in a position where he's losing it. Consciousness. It's like he's fainting. It's like he feels himself being drained. He's falling fast. And his cry is to the Lord. He says, unless I sleep the sleep of death. David's reality is inspiring to me. David's reality is encouraging to me. Because I read this and I say to myself, I am not the only idiot. I'm not the only one. Beloved, we often can go through the Elijah syndrome. Lord, am I alone left to worship you? Everybody else has forsaken you. Is it me alone? And the Lord says, I have 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You're not alone. I'm not alone. You're not alone, beloved. Christ is always with us. When you go through the dark night of the soul, and if you haven't, you will, and if you are right now, Christ is with you. He is the one holding your hand. He is the one guiding you and directing you and keeping you. He is the one who has promised that nothing will ever separate you from His love. God has not promised us that we won't have bumps and bruises and difficulties in this life. He didn't promise us that we won't have famine. He didn't promise us that days won't become dark and we will become fearful in this life. He hasn't promised that that won't happen to us. He has promised to keep us. He has promised that nothing will ever snatch you from my love. That I, I'm in His hand. You're in His hand. We are in the hands of Christ. Nobody rips you from His hand. That's what He's promised. 
And so His presence with His Word, through prayer, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is what we need continually as the people of God, looking to Jesus. Every time you see the psalmist or the Asaph writing in Psalm 78, whatever it is, when they go off kilter, you know what it is? They've taken their eyes off the Lord. The writer of the Hebrews says, we grow weary and we grow discouraged, depressed in our souls. When we don't look unto Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wondrous face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Confess it, the reality. Bring the scriptures back to your soul. Confide in a trustworthy companion. And always, always, always bring yourself to your knees in prayer because God alone can change the circumstances and even the condition of our heart. David will get more into that. Lord willing, we'll look at more of that this evening. Amen. Shall we pray?